the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome to the Frank Sontag Show. I'm Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles. I'll be filling in today. Hey, I'd like to open up with a revealing verse from the Bible. It's revealing because of everything that's happening around us. Check this out. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 1, it says, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they denied his power. You might be thinking like, what a verse to read coming out of the gate. You might be thinking like, oh my goodness, but what does that speak to you? In fact, this is going to be a great time for you to call in on this hour. Yeah, call in number is 888 2557. We got all kinds of problems, chaos, things turning upside down around us, crime skyrocketing. So what does that mean to you? And what does it mean when the Bible says that in the last days, these difficult times will come? I mean, because what the Bible does here in 2 Timothy 3.1, it puts all of that responsibility, the responsibility of the mess of will return, the corner that we've turned, it puts it all on us. Wow. Squarely on us. Not only here in America, but around the world. On all those who have rejected God's word and those who neglect to obey what God says in his word by doing one or both of those things. What are we doing then to decide how we are going to follow what God has told us to do here in our own lives? See, I think about one of the darkest times in the history of humanity is if you go all the way back to the book of Judges, the last chapter of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25, what does it say? It says that people did what they thought was right in their own eyes. So again, here's one of the darkest times of humanity where sin was just completely unhinged and it led to a very dark time. And so here we are doing the same things. If you have some thoughts on this, I would love to hear what your thoughts are. You can call me. My number is 888-528-2557. Yes, living the Christian life today, well, you could say it's not for the faint-hearted. There's an old Bible scholar named Alan Redpath. He was a pastor of the church. He actually was president of Moody Bible Church there in Chicago for a you know, a decent amount of time. But he said this quote. He said, perhaps our leadership 
through disobedience and unbelief, has forfeited access to the source of spiritual power. Wow, did you grab onto that? Man, that wasn't just an easy read there. It's like maybe our leadership, our disobedience, our unbelief has actually forfeited us from the source of spiritual power. Wow, that's an interesting thought to say the least. For that might be at the very foundation of some of the problems that we're seeing today. Again, what did it say there in 2 Timothy 3.1? That what's going to happen in the last days? It says it will be difficult. I don't think there's anyone listening right now that would say that we are not in difficult times right now. That there isn't disobedience. There isn't an unholiness that's happening. People that are haters of good. Because you look around and you think, what is happening here? Now we have people just walking in uh, by uh, the score, just you know, shoplifting, stealing. We have people beating people up on the street in broad daylight. It's almost like wickedness is not even being hidden anymore. It's just happening right in front of us. And what are we doing about it? What's happening with all of this around us? Yes, in the church today seems to be, in some cases, anemic, completely anemic, lacking in power and lacking in unity. Consider the disproportion between men and women in the church today. I wonder if this has something to do with it. Most polls say that church attendance is 61% women, 39% men. Hmm, why is that? Hey, guys, where are you? What's happening here? I'm a pastor of a church, Core Church Los Angeles, and I would say that that stat is probably true. You can walk into any church anywhere in the United States, and there's going to be more women in there than men. Where are the men? Some say men reject going to church because men are just naturally, well, self-reliant. Hey, we can do it. We'll just pull up our own bootstraps. Uh, Some say that's because men are headstrong. A lot of women would say, well, yeah, (laughs) that's true. And some just say men are proud. Too proud. Well, that's for weak people. Is is that your crutch? Is going to church your crutch? Uh, Excuse me. For anyone that has that thought right now, can I just say that, you know, church is not a crutch it should be a whole 911 system. It should be the emergency ward where we all need help. Maybe, just maybe, some men need help and they just won't admit it. Maybe you're one of those men that are listening right now. Some men will think that women are weaker in some areas. And, well, look, they are weaker in other areas. You know, most women cannot bench press as much weight as a man. You know, there's certain, you know, jobs that are heavy lifting, you could say. Although there will be some women to say, I can do anything a man can do and better, you know. But, uh, but one area that I think that women are definitely stronger than men is in the ability to recognize a true faith. You know, women can seem to uh, have a spiritual sense of things a little bit more than men. Consider the cross. It was women who followed the Lord all the way and stood at the cross when Jesus was being bludgeoned to death and hung on a cross to die for our sin. 
Where were all the disciples? Well, they ran. They were hiding. They were, they were, look out. If they can do that to Jesus, they could do it to us. It was only John out of all the disciples that stood at the cross as Jesus hung there. But all the women that were following him, oh, they were all standing there. Maybe you have some thoughts on what's happening in our world today. You can give me a call at 888-528-2557. For we have what appears to be a tremendous breakdown in our country spiritually. You know, it's in, you know, in our country today, it's a breakdown. Again, this is Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles, and we're talking about the plight of of humanity this hour as we as a country appear to be on a whole distancing ourselves from God not true believers I'm not and hopefully many of you aren't but maybe some of you are as some have embraced science and a very liberal mindset and ideology to save us which doesn't seem to be doing so good at the moment at least in my opinion. What's your opinion on that? Again, you can call me at 888-528-2557. You know, I like to consider here, uh, you know, Mary, talking about how women usually have a little bit more of a sensitive spirit towards God. I want to give an example of that. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, even some of us men can learn something about that. In fact, I have Donald on the phone here from Whittier. Donald, are you there? Donald, oh, are yes, you? Sir, I'm here. Oh, great, great. So, what's your opinion on this? Um, I think you're absolutely right, um, Pastor. Uh, just a lot of men these days are are not, um, you know, stepping up to, uh, you know what I mean, stepping up and and being actual real men. You know what I mean? And uh, that's right. Being uh, vulnerable and um, just, just allowing themselves to be vulnerable. I think a lot of it is, uh, again, is uh, men. Men were like a, were ashamed, yeah. and uh, some of us are probably like, a, um, how you call, it, embarrassed. You know. Yeah, Donald. Let me ask you a question. How old are you? I'm 31. 31 years old. Uh, let I, I, you don't have to answer if you don't want. But uh, was your dad in your home when you were being raised? Uh, no, no, he wasn't. Okay. And so I think, you know, don't you think, Donald, that has a lot to do with uh, where we're at. Men haven't been, uh, I'm, and I'm not talking everyone, obviously, but men haven't been good examples to their own children. Therefore, you have children now that are not good examples. And I think that has something to do with it. Donald, thank you so much for your phone call. I appreciate you calling in yeah. today. Yeah, and I, I actually agree 100% on that uh, comment because um, my dad passed away in '93. Uh, I was barely like two years old, and uh, yeah, I never had a real proper upbringing. So um, it, there was many things that I that I dealt with. Um, you know what I mean? Just many things in life, you know, without having a dad. And well, you know, I Donald, to do it on my own, you know. Donald, I want to say to you, uh, you said your father passed away when you were two years old. Yeah, I, I am so sorry you know, to hear that. Uh, are you a Christian? Yes, yes. Uh, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I want to say, when I was uh, 16. Uh, this happened when I was actually in a foster home. Wow, wow. Are you married now, Don? No, I'm not I'm not married right now. Uh, currently single, but uh, 
see, that's another thing too in my life that uh, that I, I, you know, I really didn't know how to do either. You know, something was like to talk to women or yeah, just just all kinds of things. You know, when you yeah. have, when you have a dad, you know, it's, um, you know, even growing up, I used to see other other men more more wholesome than I was because they had a loving father figure in their life. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, I think that um, when I came to Jesus, um, you know, I gave my life to Him. Uh, you know what I mean? I finally have like a lo- that loving that that person who who can love me, but I still have had uh, this this hole in my heart. You know what I mean? That uh, it, it's just a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Donald, yeah. I just want to end with this and encourage you. You know, there's a our Father in heaven. You know, He says in Romans chapter eight that we can cry out to Him, Abba, Father, which is a very intimate term. It's it would be like our English saying, you know, Daddy, Daddy, or Papa, Papa, and I know. Right, I think that's the Hebrew. Yeah, right. Yeah, the Abba is yes, and I just want you to know that God loves you and He cares about you. And I think about what David said. David had a very difficult life. We think about King David, like oh, the shepherd boy. He, you know, he, he, you know, God anoints him to be the next king of Israel, and he takes down Mister Fee Five Full Foam Goliath, and and you know, just takes him out of the out of the game, and he becomes the king of Israel. But uh, hold on, <laughs> there was about almost two decades of life that he was running from his life because of a jealousy king and he had a very difficult life but one of the things that David said and I want you to hang on to this uh, is uh, he said in Psalm 119 verse 9 he says how does a young man keep his way pure and I mean that's just a great question how does a young man how does any man how does any woman keep their way pure especially in this world that we live in but he goes on to answer that in verse 11 he says by keeping it according to thy word thy word have I you know kept in my heart have i treasured in my heart that i might not sin against you so you know thank you so much for your call donald and i so appreciate you man you have a great day hey i want to bring on jt here from hermosa beach uh, pastor steve that was a very uh boy, that was a very moving call that you just had with that gentleman and i like what you said and what he said it uh, makes you think doesn't it huh yeah sure does jt and you know, we look at our world today, JT, with, you know, uh, I don't, I, you know, I've been starting this whole week with real positive verses and everything, but this was a tough verse. This was, you know, hey, in the last days, people are going to be boastful, arrogant, revelers, you know, ungrateful, unholy, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, you know, all of these things. And it's like, yeah, that kind of looks like uh, walking out your front door today. It's like anyone that drives around in Los Angeles, you know that, oh, my goodness, uh-huh. you know, this is these people. So what is your comment on that, JT? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak from a personal uh, feeling about that. I have an old school sense, and when I was raised, when I was growing up, I watched the Donna Reed show, and I watched The Rifleman. I later watched shows like Good Times. So that I feel that there were some really good... TV shows that had good role models, and I think that Hollywood, especially as the boomers and others took over, they began to trash all of the, some of those good values and, and, you know, make it sound like dysfunctionalism is a normal, noble thing to be, you know, admired and adhered to. And over the years, I had a rough childhood. I was in a foster home and nearly got killed in there. And I went through therapy. I wouldn't use drugs, and I found myself fighting against um, the boomers who were rebelling against our elders, the World War II Depression era generation because they were setting boundaries and they're too restrictive. And I think in some cases they spoil a lot of us. And then as I got, as I got older, I found a lot of the boomers, including a lot of people talking about peace and love, they started snapping at me on doing business deals. And I finally said, you know what, 
all those songs you sang back then are noble songs. But it's like, why don't you, if you really believe in kindliness, why don't you practice it? I let him have it, and I said, and I would put it, and I said, do you like people snapping at you? No. I said, well, then don't snap at people. And so, Pastor Steve, maybe you notice this. Do you notice how people today, we not only have, there's such a breakdown of manners, but you notice how people are so angry that they snap at people with their temper, and they can't even bring themselves to say, I'm sorry, when they're, when they're so obviously wrong. You know, that's a really good point, JT, and thanks for your call. Because, yes, uh, we need a lot more kindness and love. And that's why, uh, for Christians, we, let's not forget this, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are the voice of reason in this time when things are becoming unhinged. So I read that verse because it says, in the last days, this is what's going to happen. Okay, so we're in the last days now. I I think if you're a believer and you don't think that we're in the last days now, does that mean that Jesus is coming back today? Well, I guess he could. But maybe it's next week. Maybe it's five years from now. One thing for sure— I believe that there's two bookends of time. I believe that the first man and the first woman were created in the image of God. That was Adam and Eve. They were placed in the Garden of Eden. They ate of the forbidden fruit. They brought sin upon all men. There's a DNA of humanity that is now tainted with sin. We have all sinned. Some are a little worse than others, but we won't point you out. But anyway, yes, some are worse than others, but we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that was the first bookend, Adam and Eve. We, I believe, are the last bookend. I think we are the generation that is at the end. And so we are the voice of reason. And if we are not bringing love, if we're not bringing compassion, if we're not bringing a message of hope to all those that are hopeless, who in the world is going to bring it? I'm going to go to my next call here. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm saying your name right. Nesima in Placentia. How do you say your name? It's Nesima. Nesima. Uh, okay. I, <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm sorry. Forgive me. You know, I do know how to say no, in and out no, burger. You know, it's like I can say all the food places, <laughs> Chipotle. It's like, so you're, you're calling in and you're saying that, that men are being taken out of the fight. How do you think that men are being taken out of the fight? Well, I just would want to encourage men to consider just the reality of, you know, their wiring. First of all, men tend to be more visually stimulated, oriented, and it seems like YouTube, Internet, video games are just stealing our boys. And the enemy knows yes. it. And it's a technology, yes, that can be used for the glory of God that accesses or helps people access all kinds of information to equip us and whatnot. But I think that there's so much information going out there that, especially through, for example, YouTube, that everybody's listening to everything, and nobody's necessarily, I mean, I can't say nobody. There are many people and many voices that are speaking, and there are not a whole lot of experts, and people are grabbing onto anything that tickles their ears and sounds wonderful and running with it and making a, you know, a stance on something and, and getting, you know, making an opinion about something and causing people to war and argue and, it's in putting people into the corners, but also, like I said, the video games. Okay, yes, I can see how video games can be a wonderful opportunity for dads and sons and young men um, to connect, and that can be for the, for the Lord in, in some capacity, but in terms of how much time, and I, I think that 
so well, much. Well, you know, Nasima, thank you for your thoughts. Thank you so much for calling in because you're making such a great point here. And I, I want to springboard off of that uh, just for a moment uh, because that's a very good point that you brought up, Nasima. Because parents, there has to be balance. Think about the word balance. Our children are doing all of these, you know, crazy video games, this, that, whatever. And it's like we need to be able to reel them back in some and say, look, okay, we're not saying you can't play a video game or watch something on YouTube or this or whatever, but we have to set some boundaries where there's time that is given to the word of God. It's like, we need to have family devotions. We need to be able to set time aside where we turn the TV off, turn all the electronics off and have a time where we can sit and talk about culture, the things that are happening around us. And for those that are older that, Hey, you don't have parents telling you what you want them to do. I want you to think about what it says in Job twenty three twelve. Think about this. I have not departed from the command of your lips. I have treasured the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. Hey, listen, I don't know about you, but I am an eating machine. I mean, food is a major part of my life. I mean, it's like you're talking food. I want to be at the center of that table. But it's like Job is saying here, Look, I am not going to depart from the command of your lips. I am going to treasure the words of your mouth more than my own necessary food. I think that we have to take that to heart. If we're going to be a voice of reason to those that are around us, we have to be fed ourselves with the word of God. Listen, this is Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles. We're talking about the plight of where our country is, where we're headed, all the difficulties that we're facing, and it comes down to us and how we live. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsors. This is Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles, and we're talking this hour about the breakdown of culture and society and how the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 1, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revelers. Wow, my goodness. And that's exactly what we're seeing in our culture and society today. Where I think you can trace the breakdown of our culture to the breakdown in the family. I remember when I was uh, 10 years old, 1969, I'm dating myself, but I just want to remind you I'm still in good shape. But I remember being 10 years old in 1969, and my mother was talking with her across-the-street neighbor. And by the way, in 1969, I didn't have one friend, not one friend, that their parents were divorced. And I didn't have one friend that their mothers worked. And so here we were, and all of a sudden, my mom was talking with her girlfriend that someone in the neighborhood was getting a divorce. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. A divorce? Are you serious? And then by 1975, my mom was getting a divorce, and every one of my friends, their parents were breaking up, and everything had changed. That was the beginning of the end of our culture 
as we once knew it. I think it's the four rings of marriage, right? It starts with the engagement ring. Second, it goes to the wedding ring. Then it goes to suffering. And then to lawyering. Okay, well, there you go. The four rings of marriage. But one thing for sure, there is a distinct breakdown in the marriage. And through that, it's like it's translated in through the church where many men don't come to church and women outnumber men in church by almost two to one. I got Jamie on the phone here in West Hollywood. Hey, Jamie, what are your thoughts on this? My thoughts are a lot of men... I. Can you blame the men 100% because it seems nowadays that the women just let men do what they want to do. Like a man can have a main chick and several side chicks. Yeah, well, that doesn't help that doesn't help any and it just it it, it points to our sinful culture and where we're at and I think that the reason that a lot of women allow themselves to be quote the other woman that you're alluding to is because they're starving for love. They're searching for love. And so they would be willing to be one of many or one of more than one because they themselves are starving for love, which, you know, Jamie. I I got that. But at some point, when do they stop compromising who they are, starving for love? Because you're not going to get love that way anyways. I think praying about it and supplication to Christ that he will bring you somebody is a good way to start. That's a great way to start. And thank you so much for your phone call, Jamie. That's a excellent way to start is to get back and really find your value in Christ. I wonder how many women are listening right now that you are devalued in your own estimation of how much God loves you. I think that uh, depending on how you were brought up and maybe how your father treated you or how your father treated your mother uh, might make you feel like that you don't have any value. But I want you to know no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what wrong paths that you have taken, that I, I want you to know that God values you. I think about the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. And, you know, look, when you read the text of the scripture, it was obvious that she was set up. Uh, In the Bible, if you were caught in the act of adultery, uh, you would literally be stoned to death. So they dragged this woman out because they were testing Jesus. They were trying to put Jesus in the, the, between the rock and a hard spot because uh, they said, you know, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law says we should stone her. So if Jesus said, yeah, go ahead and stone her, then he wouldn't be the loving, compassionate Jesus. And then if he said, well, don't stone her, then he would be breaking the law. So they thought, oh, we got Jesus up against a rock and a hard spot. So I believe that the religious, hypocritical leaders of the day set that whole scenario up because, by the way, where was the man? Oh, they let him out the back door. But getting to the point I'm trying to make here, here's the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. So look, let's just say this could have been a loose woman. Let's just say this was a woman that was looking for love in all the wrong places. 
She was looking for someone to love her, to care about her, so she was willing to give her body up. So she gave up her body. She was caught by these, what I believe, hypocritical religious leaders. And what did Jesus say? He said to those that were holding the stones to stone her, he said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Then the Bible tells us in the narrative that Jesus went back and riding in the sand. Now, what was he riding? Maybe he was playing tic-tac-toe. You know, maybe he was just, you know, like just riding, you know, different things. Or maybe he was riding the very sins of those who had the stones. The Bible tells us from the eldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones and walked away. Why? Because who has no sin in their life? Everyone has sinned. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so what did Jesus say to that woman? He said, where are your accusers? And she said, well, they they all left. He says, well, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. See, I'm talking to the woman right now, or maybe a man. I'm talking to someone that, look, you got some riffraff going on in your life right now. You've made bad decisions. You have done wrong. And you don't think, you know, that God could love you. And maybe there's things that you've done in your past and you just can't get past them. So, well, therefore, God will never raise me up to be that person. God will never bring bring a right person into my life because I've made all these mistakes in the past. Uh, I'm not good enough and what have you. And I don't know all the things that you could be thinking about yourself. But I want you to know that you are absolutely wrong in your theology. A hundred percent. God loves you. And he cares about you. And I don't care what you've done in the past, because look, you can't change the past, right? What it is, is what it is. It is what it is. You are guilty of whatever you have done. But I'm telling you, you don't have to stay on that path, and you don't have to accept that you are no good in God's eyes. I want you to know, God doesn't hate you. He loves you. It's like, it's a love that is really... It's really hard for us to kind of understand this love. But that love, listen, many of you know the definition of the love that God has for us. It it comes from the Greek word agape, which means a love without condition. It's an unconditional love. So it's not based on anything that you did or I could do. It's a love that God just says, look, I choose to love you. And I have chosen to forgive you. I have chosen to have a relationship with you. I have chosen to esteem you. Why? Because I'm a good person or you're a good person? No, it's because God is a good person. And so God allows us to come to him by faith. When we come to Christ by faith, it's just like when Abraham came to God by faith and he believed him. What does it say in Genesis that God allowed his faith, Abraham, to be counted unto him as righteousness? So in like fashion, when we as believers come to Christ as our Savior, he imparts upon us like he did Abraham righteousness. Do you know what the word righteousness means? In its most simplistic definition, it means to be in right standings with God. I don't care what you've done. 
I don't care where you've been. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. God loves you. Maybe some of you, and I'm talking specifically because, you know, Jamie had brought up, you know, why are so many women willing to just give themselves to these dog men that just use them, abuse them? And I said to her, I said, Jamie, it's probably because the women are looking for love. Well, listen, if there's anyone listening on the radio right now, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, but you're searching for love. You're hungering. You're starving for it. You're craving for love. I want you to know that God loves you with an unconditional love. And see, his love is real. Because, see, the Bible says that he looks at us like as a clear transparency. So you cannot hide anything that you've done. I cannot hide anything that I have done. He says he sees us through ourselves, sees everything about us. The Bible says that he has searched us. He's, he's explored us through our very soul. So God knows the good, the bad, and yes, the ugly. But yet, he still loves us. See, that's what real love is. See, real love is not like, oh, well, you look beautiful and you smell good, so therefore, I love you. No, no, no. God says, I see you in your worst. I see what the worst thing you've ever done. I've seen every secret of your life. But yet, I choose to love you. I choose to love you. This is Pastor Steve Wilburn, Core Church, Los Angeles. And we're talking about how do we get into the plight where we are in this world today? Where are the men? I'll be right back. This is Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles, and we're talking today on the radio about the breakdown that we have in our culture and our society. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3, 1, that in the last days, difficult times are going to come. Oh, yes, we are living in difficult times, to say the least. Men will be lovers themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient. Oh, my goodness, he goes on and on. Yes, we see a breakdown in our culture. We see a breakdown in our families. And where are the men? We started this segment off talking about the fact that Women outnumber men almost two to one in the church. Why is that? Men, where are you? Here we have Patricia on the line here. Patricia, uh, you're from Santa Ana, and you're listening on KKLA today. That's right. I've been seven years and the other one. Uh, I'm 89 years old. My husband died. It'll be seven years since August 3rd. You know, Patricia, I just want to say I am so sorry for your loss. Uh, I'm assuming your husband was a believer? Yes, 
and uh, we have seven sons, and all but one of them go to church, and I don't know why. Well, Patricia, I just want to I want to tell you uh, thank you so much for your phone call. Thank you for calling in, and I just want to encourage you. This is our hope. This is our faith that when we leave this body, we go into the presence of the Lord. And I know that you will see your husband again. And you're talking about in your church that many men have passed away. And I guess our question is, where are the new men? Where's the next generation of men to come in and to fill those spots of those elderly saints that have gone home to be with the Lord? So thank you again, Patricia, for your phone call. And I, I think that we could learn something, men, from women. How about that? I think that us men could learn a valuable lesson from a woman. Let me pick a woman in the Bible. Now, uh, I'm going to look at Mary. And I, this is not the uh, mother of Jesus, Mary. There's many Marys in the Bible. This is Mary, the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus. And do you know that every time that we read about this particular Mary, that she's always sitting at the feet of Jesus? Think about that. She's mentioned three times in the Bible, and all three times she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. First, when Jesus was invited into her home, we know that her sister Martha was in the kitchen like, Oh my goodness, we've got Jesus here for lunch. I'm going to make him a wonderful lunch. What can I make him? How about deviled eggs? No, that's probably not a good idea. Uh, But anyway, she's in the kitchen. She's making lunch for Jesus. And where do we find Mary, her sister? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, just gleaning every word. Well, I could see Martha running by the kitchen door every time, and there's my slack jaw sister out there just sitting on her rear end while I'm in here preparing this lunch for the Lord. And so she finally came into the living room and said, Jesus, can you tell my sister to get off her rear? I added that part. And come and help me with lunch. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha. You're, you're so busy with so many things, and your sister has picked the better thing. And I think us men can be like Martha. We're out there. We're, we're making a living. We, you know, we're out there getting the next cell. We're, we're doing the next thing. We're climbing the corporate ladder. We're busy, 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 and we're missing out on what Mary did. The next time we read about Mary, it's when her brother Lazarus had died and they sent for Jesus. Do you know that Jesus purposed to not come? It's like, wait a minute, Jesus, hey, your good friend Lazarus, he's really sick. Could you come and do your little mojo and heal him with your miracle working power? Jesus purposed to not come for a few days. And by the time Jesus got there, not only had his friend Lazarus died, but he had been in the grave for four days. Now, the sister Martha came up to Jesus and like, hey, Jesus, you know, hey, uh, you know, you, you kind of blew it here. If you would have been here, uh, my, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus looked in the Martha's eyes and said, well, Martha, it's like, don't you know that there's a resurrection? And she said, yeah, 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 I got, yeah, I got that. No, And Jesus said, 
I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. And everyone who believes in me will never die. He says, do you believe this? He's like, uh, yeah. Let me go get my sister. <laughs> so then Mary comes, but Mary doesn't stand in front of Jesus and demand why he wasn't there. She falls at his feet. And she just said, oh, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. The Bible says that Jesus just wept with the pain. You know, just know that whatever hardship you're going through right now, whatever difficulty, man, Jesus, you know, he weeps with us. You know, his heart is broken when our heart is broken. And then the third time that we read of Jesus, of course, you know, that second time he raised Lazarus from the dead. So yeah, that was a big miracle. They were expecting a healing. Jesus was looking at a, a resurrection. But the third time that we read of Mary again, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus because she came in right before Jesus's last week, right before the passion week. And she came in and she anointed his feet with oil and dried it with her hair, worshiping him. So what do we have here? We have, we have Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus at the first time to learn from him. Men, what can we glean from this woman? We need to sit at the feet of Jesus to learn from him on how to be a man. Remember, Jesus was the meekest of all men. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under constraint. Then Mary fell at the feet of Jesus in her pain, in her hardship, in her loss, in her difficulties. And us men, see, we don't share things. Guys ask us, how's it going? It's going good. You all right? Oh, I got it all together. Hey, us men don't always have it all together. There's times that we're facing great pain and suffering and we don't know where to turn. We need to turn to Christ like what Mary did and sit at his feet in our pain and be able to share it with the Lord, our pain. And number three, Mary bowed at the feet of Jesus in worship as she anointed his feet. You know, if us men could learn these three traits of Mary in the Bible, we would be better men, we would be better husbands, we would be better fathers, We'd be better examples, and we would be the men that women would be attracted to. Listen, ladies, don't settle for second best. You need to find a man that loves Jesus more than they love you, and that's the keeper. Don't feel like you have to give the goods up to get a man to love you. If you give the goods up before marriage, he'll lust after you, but he won't love you. You wait for the man that will honor you that will not ask you to sin before your God in keeping that relationship going. God wants us to learn. He wants us to be able to do the things that he's called us to do. Men, it is time for us to rise up and to be counted. It's time for us to be who God has called us to be, not who this world has called us to be. The Bible's already told us what men are going to be like in the last days. Again, this is Pastor Steve Wilburn, Core Church, Los Angeles. You're listening here on KKLA, and we're talking about what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 1, where it says, in the last days, difficult times will come because men will be lovers themselves. 
They will be lovers of money, boastful and arrogant and revelers. It's like we as the men of God are not called to walk like the world is called. Look, we all have to go to work. I go to work every day. We have to do the things. We've got to put the bread on the table. That's what we do. We put the bacon on the table. That's what we do. But it's like we're called to lead. Why are there so many women leading in the church where it should be men leading in the church? So look, I come alongside you guys. I don't want to beat you up. It's like God loves you. But how are you going to pull this off? How can you and me be the men that God has called us to be in this generation where there's so many things that are distracting to us, so many things to take our eyes off the goal? Well, that's where the Lord comes in. And he says to us in 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Hey, men, isn't that great news? We don't have to pull up our own bootstraps by ourselves. God says that he dwells within us. And where we are weak, he is strong. So let's learn from Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. She learned to sit at the feet of Jesus. She learned to fall at his feet in her pain. And she learned to sit at his feet and worship him. Amen. Rise up. Rise up, men, in these days. Become who God has called you to be. Don't settle for second best. You have a high calling on your life. Again, this is Pastor Steve Wilburn, Court Church, Los Angeles. I am so glad that you listen to the program today. And may the Lord God bless you.